Why don't we give our guests a hand clap today? Glad that they're in the house of the Lord. Why don't you take this opportunity to step across the aisle, turn to someone near, make sure you go to a guest, let them know that we're glad that they're in the house of the Lord today. You'll find a little talk with Jesus makes you right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our fingers cry. He will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer will turn it. You know a little fire is burning. You'll find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now let us Come on, have let's a all talk sing it together Jesus. this morning. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our fingers cry. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know a little fire is burning. You'll find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. You 
Jesus makes it right. Praise the Lord. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Rejoice this morning. So thankful for God's goodness and His mercy. How many is glad that you're in the house of the Lord today? How many is real glad you're in the house of the Lord today? Praise God. God is so good to us to allow us to come to His house to worship, to praise, and to magnify, and to lift up His great name. We're serving a good God. Amen. We're serving a good God. We're serving a real, real, real good God. If it was not for His mercy, we would all be consumed. And thank God for His mercy. I want to make some announcements. If you have your Bibles, turn to Numbers chapter 2. Numbers chapter 2. While I make these announcements, we're getting ready to go to youth camp again. And uh, we'll be leaving in the morning, or they will be leaving. I'll be leaving tonight, but they'll be leaving in the morning at 8 o'clock. All of the uh, older campers, the senior age campers that's going this week to help with the children, if you would bring your luggage tonight uh, before service and we can get that loaded up after service when we load the cargo trailer with all the puppet stuff. So remember that, what you can bring because we're going to have a trouble getting all the luggage over there. So what little bit we can get on that trailer will help us. The bus will leave at 8 o'clock in the morning. If you have not filled out your forms for your junior campers, you need to do so today and turn them in to my wife tonight. So remember that. I want to remind all the, all the, the senior campers that is going. Now, we'll be having a lot of fun, but the fun is not the main reason why you're going. The main reason why you're going is to help and to be a help. So don't be a hindrance, be a help. And uh, don't uh, be cranky when someone asks you to do something. Just do it with all your heart. And uh, we got a lot to, lot to do. And so bring that stuff tonight and uh, we'll see that taken care of. Numbers chapter 2. I've been a little under the weather ever since I got home. Uh, Friday, and um, hadn't been feeling real good. Last night was pretty miserable, but I thank God that I feel better today. But I'm not a hundred percent. In fact, I'm gonna go a little bit slower than normal uh, for normal uh, Sunday morning. It'll be more like a Wednesday night Bible study, and uh, Brother uh, Laster will be preaching for us tonight. Numbers chapter two. Verse number one, this is very, very rare that I do this. Uh, there's lots of times I preach the same thing over and over and over again because there's no new thing under the sun. But I just felt this in prayer this week of taking some notes from last year of uh, February the 28th and uh, just talking about this again. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to read the same text. I'm going to use the same title. I'm going to have the same subject. So the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard. 
with the ensign of their father's house, far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall, shall they pitch. Every man of the children of Israel. Now God spoke to Moses and Aaron. Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of their father's house far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands and our voices toward heaven and ask God to help us today. God, we're depending on you. Our faith, our confidence, our trust, and our hope is in you. I pray, Lord, that you would touch me, God, to deliver your word like you would have me to. I pray, God, that you would open up the hearts, the minds, the spirits of every individual in this house this morning. That you would talk to us, that you would draw us nearer to thee, God. All praise and all glory and all honor belongs to you. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord, everybody. Amen. So glad again to have our friend from Brother White's there in Burbank, California. Glad that he's here. Good to see Sister Becky able to be in the house of the Lord today. Lord bless you. You may be seated. I want to start off this morning by congratulating our young people on a wonderful camp. We had a wonderful move of God. And uh, every service it seemed like that it just could not get better. I will, I will go over this again tonight because I know a lot of them are working over in the gym at this time. But um, we did get the gorilla group, and that means that, that all the boys smelled like gorillas. No, that means that we had the largest group. We had 29 campers this year, and uh, we're glad for that, thankful for that, thankful for our young people participating and uh, parents standing behind me because I think that youth camp is a vital part of the success to young people. And I believe they get things at youth camp that they won't get anywhere else, and they get strength from God uh, that they won't get anywhere else. So we're glad that they went. Also, we got this trophy. I think I think that this is, is it the third time in five years? I think it's the third time in five years that our group has won this trophy. And this is the Spirit Award. And what this means is they were the best all-around group. And participating in all the activities, mainly participating in church, getting involved, helping uh, whatever needed to be done. Our boys worked very hard helping uh, put up the stage, take down the stage. And the last night they were even doing that and they knew they wasn't even going to get to play basketball. So I'm proud of them and I think they uh, deserve a great hand clap today. And uh, so I, I appreciate that. I, I had a little. They would. They would have won it last year if there was not some of these boys that wanted to set off firecrackers in the dorms. But this year, I'm thankful for Brother Laster. He kept them all straight. And uh, in fact, I was in the dorm 
uh, Wednesday night after the talent show, Brother Hare and myself and all of those boys was in the hallways and they were screaming and hollering. wasn't doing anything disruptive or tearing up anything. They were disruptive, anybody that was trying to sleep. And uh, so it was about 2 o'clock in the morning. And uh, so we was just sitting over trying to keep them corralled because we knew they wasn't going to go to sleep. And uh, every every time one of them would say a word, they'd all start chanting the same word. Somebody got the bright idea. It says, throw Brother Hare and Brother Looper out. And they started chanting that, and they picked us up and body surfed us right out the dorm hallway. First time I ever body surfed in my life. It's pretty fun. We'll try that one Sunday night when all of you's up here. But... <clears throat> We had a great time, and then I looked, and I didn't notice too many of our boys out there. And I went, and I looked in the dorm, and they just laid in the bed, sitting on the bed. I said, what in the world did you do to them, Brother Laster? You got them on downers. I've never seen them this quiet. But uh, thankful for their participation and work, and the young ladies done such a great job. And uh, I'm proud of our young people and proud of their desire to live for God and uh, Thursday night, they were the last ones out of the altar area. And I think they finally quit praying about 1130 at night. And uh, so the, for that, I am grateful. And I think that we have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be proud of today. Can I get a witness? All right. What I want to talk to you about this morning is... A subject that I taught on back in 18, uh, February the 28th, matter of fact, of 2018, about the church in the middle. I had them to put up a picture this morning, and that's a picture of, I guess, just a drawing of what people thought the tabernacle and the wilderness looked like. But what I want you to, to get a, a picture of is the tabernacle in the wilderness was in the center of the camp of the children of Israel. And if I had an overhead, I would, I would like to have an overhead picture of that. If back then, if they would have just flown a drone over and took some pictures back in the wilderness, we'd have all of that available today, but they did not do that. But according to the Word of God that the tabernacle in the wilderness was in the center of the camp. And then the Bible says that every man of the children of Israel pitched by his own standard. Now, this is not meaning that he pitched by his own will or whatever he thought was correct, but he pitched by his own standard, the flag And then the Scripture says, with the ensign of their father's house, which is the flag of their tribe and their father's house. The standard, the flag of their tribe, the ensign, the flag of their father's house. And that's where they were to pitch their tents. That's the way the camp in the wilderness looked. That the tabernacle, wherever they moved... The tabernacle, again, excuse me for my voice. I know it's messed up. I know I'm sniffling, but I cannot help that. And I apologize for that. But, but they were to, to camp in this way. And I, the Word of God, the uh, Old Testament, is full of types and shadows 
of things to come and things that are being fulfilled even at this present time and uh, things that that we are to um, apply in our everyday life of the way that we live. This simply means, and then the Scripture says, far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch it. Now, when we talk about far off, we mean far off. But when the Scripture here is talking about far off, this simply means over against, not a distance from the tabernacle. And so how far is not really stated in the Word of God, but these words are telling us that we are to get as close to the tabernacle as God would allow. What did the tabernacle represent? The tabernacle in the, in the wilderness represented the power and the glory of God. It's where the children of God would gather together to worship. And then it's where the holiest of holies was, which was the presence of God. And so in Numbers, in Numbers chapter 2 and verse number 17, the scripture says, Then the tabernacle of the congregation shall be set forward with the camp of the Levites in the midst of the camp as they encamp. So shall it set forward every man his place by their standard. Every tribe. The Bible, if you would read chapter seven or chapter two, you would find that it's setting in order by the tribes of the direction that God wanted the, the camp of Israel to be set. God, number one, is very precise. God is a God of precision. God is a God of absolutes. There is, there is no variableness nor shadow of turning in God. There's only one way to be saved, and that's the way that is presented to us in the New Testament. The fulfillment of the, the New Testament birth. We find in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, it says, first you must repent. Second, you must be uh, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Thirdly, you must have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Now, that is the New Testament plan of salvation. That is the new birth. The death, burial, and resurrection according uh, to this New Testament plan of salvation. And so these are absolutes. And even in the Old Testament, God was trying to reveal Himself to His people. And then the tabernacle in the wilderness and the way that the camp was set up was to give us instructions of what the New Testament church, the part that the New Testament church was to play in our life. God's plan for the position of the church in our life and in our family in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. The importance of the tabernacle being in the middle of all of us. Now, 
the children of Israel, as they traveled through the wilderness, they were attacked by the adversaries and the enemies that would come against them. The Bible tells us that Amalek attacked Israel. And this is what would happen in Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse number 17 and 18. The Scripture says, Remember what Amalek did unto thee. By the way, when ye were come forth out of Egypt, how he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when they were was faint and weary, and he feared not God. What was happening was the enemy was not attacking the front of the children of Israel, nor the middle of the children of Israel, but they were attacking those who were straggling behind, those who were weak, those who were on the edge of the camp, those who who did not have the strength to keep up. This is the reason why that God placed the tabernacle in the wilderness in the very center and everything was to revolve around the tabernacle. I want to tell you today in our life of living for God, when we get weak, we become a prime target for the adversary. When we are no longer have the church in the center point of our life. You say, oh, so what are we supposed to do? Build a camp around this building? Oh, no. That's not what I'm saying at all. But you have to build the church in the middle of your life. The church has to be number one. The church will not become number second. How, how, or number two. How many, how many likes to come in second? How many strives to come in second? Oh, I really don't want to be number one. I'd like to, I'd like to be number two or number three or, or maybe tenth place. No, everybody strives to be number one. You want number one. You want to come in when you're playing ball. You want to win. You want to have first place. When you're, when you're running a race, you want to be number one. You want to be first place. Whatever you're doing in life, you want to be recognized as being the best that you possibly can be. Now, God is not going to accept another position other than position number one in our lives. God will always be number one or God will not be at all. When people have trouble living for God... It's because God is no longer number one in their life. I think that everything that this is the way that I was raised and this is the way that I was taught. And this is the way that I've tried to teach my children. I think that vacations are very important. I think that everybody that possibly can and you are to work. If you can't, you are to save up your money to take your family on a vacation and spend family time together. I think that is extremely important, and you know me by now, I'm not against that at all. 
But I think that everything else ought to revolve. And we ought to schedule and we ought to plan as church being the main focus in our life. If it is possible for us to go somewhere and get back and not miss church, I think that we ought to do everything in our power to do so. Can I get a witness? When we get comfortable, when we as children of God get comfortable with missing church, church and God is no longer the center point of our life. You see, when we can sit at home for no reason other than we're tired, or we just don't want to go on Wednesday or Sunday, or we just decide that we're uh, one time a week is enough for us, church has not got the number one position in your life. Now, we all complain, and it, it always amazes me when I am traveling and I'm traveling on, on popular church days, uh, if, uh, a Sunday or, or a Wednesday, and I pass church after church after church, and they are not having church. That, that bothers me, and I start counting them to see how many in a stretch of an hour or so are not having church. And it's a very high percentage of people that don't have church on, on, on Wednesday night. And it's a great percentage of people that do not have church on Sunday night. But this is the problem. This is the problem. You know why they don't have church? It's not because the preacher don't want to have church. It's because the saints don't want to go to church. Because church is no longer the center point of their life. Things become more important. I can remember we used to have church on Thursday night. We decided to change church from Thursday night to Wednesday night because the public school system seemed to cater to people that had church on Wednesday night. It's no longer like that. The school will schedule things that's on Wednesday night knowing what cause. You know why? Because there's so many people that do not have church on Wednesday night any longer. And you say, oh boy, the church should never be able, be able to stop having church. We can't stop having church. And I'm sure I'd get about a hundred percent today that would say, don't stop having Wednesday night and Sunday night church. Can I get a witness? Amen. But then, but then, are you committed enough? Is church important to you enough? Is church in the center of your life enough that you're going to be faithful to the house of God? That amen was a little bit weaker. We find every excuse to miss church. Instead of making every excuse to go to church. And see what happens is we raise the next generation that does not even go at all. America is raising a generation right now that is godless and churchless. I know we got angry at President Obama for making the statement that America is no longer a Christian nation. 
You know, I didn't like that statement, but that statement has become where it's pretty much the gospel truth. It's sad to say that we have turned from being a Christian nation and we've allowed different things to take the place of church. I can remember I was in a meeting with a bunch of my peers and other ministers and and uh, they were discussing church and they were discussing things that are going on in church. And it was a bunch of preachers, probably about 35 of us sitting around a round table having a discussion. And they were discussing the fact of uh, dismissing Sunday night church and just having like church at 10 o'clock or church at 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And so... I listened to their arguments, and a lot of their arguments made made sense. A lot of their arguments, they had they had good arguments for it, but they said something that got my attention, and they said this. But when we omit Sunday night church, we must replace it with some kind of activity, and that's when my mind started racing, and I said, okay. Now, what are we going to do? We're going to omit church and we're going to replace it with the eating meeting. We're going to dismiss church and we're going to replace it with the ball game in the gym. We're going to miss church and we're going to replace it with what? Going to the movies on Sunday afternoon. What are we doing when we replace church? There is nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing that will ever replace what church will do in your life. I'm talking about church in the middle. When we schedule things, we schedule around our job. But do we schedule around church? We schedule around birthday parties, but do we schedule around church? We schedule around this and around that, but do we ever find ourselves saying, No, I can't go then. I'll be missing too much church. Well, praise God. See, some of you need to come more on Wednesday night. This is what we do on Wednesday night. We just have a Bible study. We get down to where we're living and uh, really talk about issues that we have, that we find ourselves. And you know what happens when you start to get to the place? When you first start missing, this is what happens. Something starts to hurt in your heart. And you realize, boy, I shouldn't be doing this, but man, it feels good to sit here on the couch. I shouldn't be doing this, but you know, boy, I'm so tired and I'll feel refreshed in the morning when I get up. I shouldn't do this. And then what happens is we, we find ourselves calloused over to the fact that we can do it and never even feel condemned about it. Now this is when you wrote, when you find yourself coming into a danger zone in your relationship with God. That's when God no longer convicts you of the wrong that you're doing. You're overriding your conscience that God has given you. You're overriding the Holy Ghost that God has placed in you. And you become, well, I don't feel condemned about it. Well, this is what the preacher is for. To help you wake up and realize you ought to feel condemned about. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. You know, in reality, it's sad to say. 
But Pentecostals are about a a decade behind other religions. You know, used to, all churches pretty much preached a, 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 a standard of holiness and separation from the world. You can go look at churches back in history and look at the pictures of them. Probably a lot of denominal churches had even a better standard than what we may even have today. But little by little, erosion began to take place. And little give here and a little give there until where most denominal churches, you cannot tell them from anybody. They have to tell you that they're a Christian. They drink the same thing. They smoke the same thing. They go to the same places. They wear the same thing. When the Bible said that we are to come out from among them, speaking of the world, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and then the Bible says He will receive us. That's what the Word of God says and demands of us. That's the reason why we hold so dear to standards of separation from the world because God is coming back for a bride that's different than anybody else. Every wedding that I've ever been to, the bride was easily identified. They don't wear the same dress. They don't wear the same shoes. They don't have the same hairdo. They don't have the same hairdress. They look different. Why? Because they are the bride. And I would tell you today that the bride of Christ, which is the church, is going to look different than anything else in the world. It always has. It always will. And in the future, it's still going to. That's the reason why we need to keep ourselves separate from this untoward generation. And just because the world says it's okay, does not mean it's okay. Just because the, the, the pagans didn't set up their camp like the children of Israel, God God said, this is the way that I want it. I want your tent facing the house of God. Still today, you better have your home facing the church. You better have your children looking at the church. You better continue to put the church in the center of your life. And I still go back and say, I believe this is all of our responsibilities. But men, you have a greater responsibility as being the the overseer and the leader and the guide of your home. Amen. Every man wants to be the boss and tell a woman what to do. But along with that comes responsibility according to the Word of God. We say, oh, the Bible says that we are to do that. Yeah, but the Bible says that you are the first partaker. That's the reason why you're the one that sets in order that, hey, it's Wednesday, we're going to church. I can never, I can never, of course my daddy was a pastor and you say, oh, that's different. But I want to tell you, if my daddy wasn't a pastor, it wouldn't make any difference because it's, it's church time. We go to church when it's church time. That should be a given in our homes, people. 
It's not an option. Church is important. Church is not something we do when we don't have anything else to do. Church is something we do because it's where we get fed. It's where we get deliverance. It's where we get healing. It's where we get help. It's where we get strength. It's the way that we're going to heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the importance of a father. The Bible says that, or, or the Bible says, uh, talking about Deuteronomy, the Amalekites coming, or Amalek coming against them. They, they come against those that were weak. Those who were away from where the Ark of the Covenant was. Those who had slowed down. You know the way you get weak is by missing church. The more church you miss, the weaker you get. The more church you miss, the more, the more you are putting in position of your home of telling your children that church is not, <clears throat> excuse me, church is not the most important thing in life. You say, is church more important in your job? Yes. Is church more important than school? Yes. Amen. Because you see, a job is temporal things. A job is things that, that, and I know people have to work. And I'm not saying everybody go out and quit your, quit your job and just rely and live in the church. No, no. That's not what I'm saying at all. But this has got to be number one because your job is going to fade away. The church is going to be here until the Lord calls His bride home. And if you're in the church, when the Lord calls His bride home, you're part of the bride. And you're going to go with Him. Jobs are come and go. Amen. But it says, studies show that when a, this is how much influence you have, fathers, of setting things in order in your home. When a mother comes to, G, to Christ, her family, now this is just a, a survey that's done in the world, her family would join her only 17% of the time. But when a father comes to Christ, his family would join him 93% of the time. That's the influence that a godly man has in setting things in order in the home. Church in the middle. Church in the middle. You say, oh, well, you know, we just, we just have prayer meeting at home. You know what's, what's invading our, our world? What is invading our society? And I've told you this before, but a study shows that 90% of children ages 8 to 16 have been exposed to Internet pornography. Most of them, while doing their homework, are exposed to these things. And we say, we're having church too much. We're around the church too much. I tell you what you want to do. You want to get as close and all up in the church as you can. You'll say, oh, somebody, somebody hurt my feelings at church. Has anybody ever hurt your feelings at, job, at your job? You went back, didn't you? You know why? Because you got paid. You know why when somebody hurts your feelings at church, you go back? Because there's a payday someday. 
Oh, they ain't supposed to do. No, we're all supposed to be Christians. But have you always been a Christian? Have you always acted like Christ? No, sometimes we fail miserably in that. But the church is still the best thing. The church is still the best thing that God has ever given us the greatest opportunity to have fellowship with people of like precious faith that has the same mindset. That's the reason why I say it's important that you get your young people in youth service. It's important that you get your young people in choir. It's important that you get your young people on youth trips. It's important that you get your young people in youth camp. Amen. They need fellowship with children of God. No, all of them's not right. Yeah, they're going to see things they shouldn't see. But oh, the, the benefits far outweigh. Amen. The negatives. I want to be involved in the kingdom of God. I want to be involved in the house of God. I want to become faithful to church. If there's ever been a time, a day and an hour where we need church in the middle. We need church in the middle today. Amen. We need church in the middle. People have to be, have to be a part of something. That's the reason why there's so many clubs and organizations. We have to find people that we have things in common with. We have to have common likes and dislikes. The Bible says that it is not good that man should be alone. We look at that as man needing a woman and a woman needing a man. But it's not good that man should be alone. We are communal people. We were, we are not an island that is set aside, apart, at a distance by ourselves. We say, oh, it says afar, far off. That simply means over against, not a distance from the tabernacle. We have got to get in the church. You've got to get to be part of the church. You've got to have the church set in the center of your life that everything goes around. You know what the children of Israel's first sight in the morning when they opened up the tent flaps? It wasn't the lake. It wasn't their job. But it was a church as to remind them. I know you're going to be busy through the day, but don't ever forget that's still number one. I know there's a lot of things that's going to happen in your life. Don't ever forget that's number one. You say, oh, the church is a long way. It's a long drive. Move closer. What's the most important thing to you? What is the most important thing to you today? What do you hold dear? You say, well, I can make it. On a service or two a week, there's no use to me to be faithful. But what are you teaching your children? 
what are you teaching them? You're teaching them that church is not the most important thing in life. I tell people that want to be involved and want to be in leadership all the time. I tell them and try to convince them that people, people will not follow you and not care about what you say until they know that you care. Your children won't care what you're telling them until they see it in your life. You know the reason why church is number one in my life? My daddy taught me that. My mother taught me that. You know what I'm trying to put in my kid's life? Church is number one. 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 There's times, most of the time when I miss church, I'm preaching somewhere But when I go on vacation, I've been on vacation for extended periods of time. Missed a couple of Sundays. About about a Sunday and a half is all I can go without church. And we'll be somewhere and my my kids will tell me, I'll tell them, you know, we could probably find a church. Why do you want to go? I said, it's just something about me. I can't help it. It's just, I can't even tell what, what day it is if I don't go to church on Sunday. My life gets mixed up. I get confused. I told them I've had people call me and want me to preach when they know I'm traveling through the area on vacation. I said, I don't preach on vacation. I have been roped into that a few times, but I'm just getting away. But you know what? I say, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be around people. I'm just getting away, just me and my family. You know what? After about 10 days, I start looking on my phone. If I don't know somebody in the area, I start looking for a Pentecostal church. I said, you know, I, I just, man, there's just something about it. They say, you don't have any clothes. Well, last time I went, I brought church clothes just in case I got to missing church too much. Because that's just my life. You say, you're a preacher. Yeah, but I'm raising a family. And if you're raising a family, you want to show them without a doubt, church is number one in my life. Everything that we do, every activity that we have, every place that we go, it has to... Church in the middle. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. I will... I will say this, I'm about to mess up a good message that I'm working on that I'm going to preach. But when we were in Israel um, traveling, uh, we went to um, where I think it was uh, Jeroboam that when the kingdom was split in Solomon's time, his son and then Rehoboam and Jeroboam split the kingdom. One of them took the children of Israel up and he built his kingdom up, I believe it was in Dan, which is right on the border of Israel, way away from Jerusalem. The children of Israel were commanded to go to Jerusalem, I think it was three different times a year. Travel was not like it is today. Travel was very difficult. It was very dangerous. They went to the furthest part of the country, as far away from Jerusalem as they could. And what happened was, he said, you know, it's, it's unsafe. It's not good. It's not, it's not well for you to go back to Jerusalem to sacrifice. And so he built himself an altar there. And they began to offer sacrifices. At first, it was a great idea. It was offering sacrifices to the one and true God. 
part of that altar is even there today at this time. But what happened was when they got away from going back to Jerusalem and Jerusalem being the center point of their life and the magnetic force that always would draw them back because it was not, it was not convenient. It was too far. It was too treacherous. It was too hard that they did not just start offering to their God, but they began to worship false gods. They eventually begin to offer their own children on altars of sacrifice to false gods. This is what happens when you get away from the church. You say, oh, I know what I believe. I'm settled in what I believe. But when you get away from the church and you start straggling behind, things get confused in your mind and in your spirit. And the devil starts working on you. Although the children of Israel knew better, they were so far away. That magnetic force had been broken that drove them back to the temple to worship and to do sacrifices for God. We can do it in our living room. No, you can't. Well, I pray every day in my house. It's not church. The Bible said, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Well, I'm tired, so I'm just going to have prayer. But it won't work. God will not honor that. God wants you to come to His house to worship and to praise Him with God's people. Well, I can do this. I can do that. I, I do this and I do that and I do this instead of going. And I, I, you know, I, it don't matter what kind of excuse you make. It's still not right. It's still not good. You're still going to get in trouble doing it. God's not going to bless it. God's not going to put up with it. God's don't like it. What was so important about them going back to Jerusalem? The fact is that's what God had planned for them to do. What's so important about the church? You know, people give their lives to go to church. I listened to Sister Smith one time when she was here telling about a woman that walked, I think it was 40 miles that she walked barefooted to get to the tabernacle where they were having church. No place to sleep when she got there. Just picking up food along the way. No money for travel. Just walk because she wanted to be in the house of God. And we're too tired. We got an air-conditioned car to get in and drive to church. Oh, I'm just strained. That's where you get renewed. That's the reason why we're depending on so many chemicals. Well, I know that went over like a lead balloon. But we've gotten so far away from what should be number one in our life. To when we don't have number one in the right place in our life, we start looking for different avenues to feel the void and to feel the hurt and to feel the pain. When you're in trouble, you come to church. When you're sick, come to church. When you feel good, you come to church. When you're depressed, you come to church. When things ain't going right are going right, you come to church. It's just church, 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 church. I can't sell you enough. I can't say it enough. I can't preach it long enough or hard enough. It's got to be church. 
the children of Israel, or the, the disciples could have had much easier time. And I'm, I'm closing with this. If they come play something. The disciples could have had a much easier time if they would have just quit gathering people together to have church. They would not have been persecuted quite as much. Even when they throwed Peter in prison, they didn't have church buildings such as us. They used whatever place they could, but they had gatherings. Gatherings. Gathering. Congregations gathered together to hear the Word of God. Eventually, they began to build buildings. But first, they had gatherings. And as they would gather together, the, the, the enemy of the church would come in and try to destroy. Even when Peter was cast in prison, they were going to cut off his head. They did not pray individually in their houses, but they got together at a certain place. You know, if we didn't have this building today, and we gathered together at a certain house, somebody's house, that would be the church. We didn't have this property today, wherever we would gather and put up a, a tabernacle or put up a brush harbor, that would be the church. They went to brush harbors in the early days. People would come in and burn them down. People would come in and chase them off. Ride horses through the middle of the brush harbors. But you know what they done? They put it back up because they realized church has got to be church. I can't have church by myself. You say, oh, what if I was on an island and I was all alone and stranded there? Could I, could I be saved? Yes, but you're not on an island and you're not on alone. You can't be saved without the church. Because what's he coming back for? He's coming back for his church. Church in the middle. I want everyone in this place today, I want you to ask yourself a question. I want you to be extremely honest with yourself when you ask yourself that question. We're just to come to this altar and all gather around and talk to God and then we will be dismissed. But I want you to ask yourself an honest question and be honest with yourself and with God. Is church in the center? Is church in the middle of my life? Is church really where it should be, God? Is church really where it ought to be, God? Is church really the most important thing in my life, God? Is church really where it needs to be in my life? As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I want you to quietly speak those words. And I want you to quietly ask yourself. I want you to quietly talk to God right now. God, I'd rather have my tent over there. Moses, what's wrong with being right here? 
Aaron, what's, what's wrong with my tent being pointed in this direction? You see, the Bible gives us indication of another man that pointed his tent in the wrong direction. He pointed it toward Sodom. There's only two directions to point your tent. There's no in-between. It's toward God and the church. Or it's toward the world. What are you doing? What direction are you putting the church? What direction are you placing the flaps of your tent? The door of your home? What are you telling God and what are you telling the adversary? As we all stand today, I wonder if you want to gather around this front. Talk to God just a moment and say, here I am, God. I want church to be in the place it should be in my life. If you're not being faithful to the house of God, make a commitment this morning. God's been faithful to you. I think you owe it to God to be faithful to Him. We want God to hear us. We want God to answer our prayer. We want God to meet our needs. We want God to be there at our beck and call. How about being there when God calls your name in the house of God? How about being faithful to God? How about being committed to God? Hallelujah. Church in the middle. Church in the center. Everything that I do revolves around the church. I got to find out what church is doing before I'm, I make a plan, before I do something. If they're having it at the church, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be faithful to the activities, I'm going to be faithful to the worship. I'm going to be faithful to everything the church is doing because I want my family to know that church is number one. Why don't you talk to God right now in Jesus' name. Touch every heart, God. Touch every soul, God. Move in every life, God. Move in every life, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Holy Ghost touch. Holy Ghost touch. Holy Ghost touch, Jesus. Holy Ghost help right now. Why don't you make some new commitments to God? Why don't you make some new consecrations to God? I will give you all. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. If church hasn't been number one and hasn't been in the center, why don't you change that today? I give you everything, God. I give you everything, God. Everything that I am. Everything that I have.